Welcome back to the King Belly Podcast, where every opinion is welcome and every voice can be heard. Don't really got much to say in the, in the, in the intro today. Don't really have a rant to go on. Don't really have a thought to share. But I did want to share this record with you guys. This track is fire. Today's guest on the podcast is Shania Wilson. She runs her own financial firm called Fola Financial, where her goal is to solve the financial problems of her clients while educating them about finances and financial literacy and things of that nature simultaneously. Now, when I first heard about her and I dived into her, her website and the work that she does, I definitely had to get her on the show because finances is an issue that is not easy to manage, not easy to tackle. For the average person, it's not always easy to, to, to be able to balance your books, to be able to create a budget. So I figured, why not have somebody on the show who does this for a living, who's passionate about this, who cares about this, to educate us on that matter and on that topic. I hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope everybody can learn something from the show. And most importantly, I hope you guys use their services at some point in life. Make sure you guys rate and leave a comment on the Apple Podcast app. Make sure you share this episode with your friends, your family members, post it on your social networks, tweet about it. Uh, post it on your IG story Put it, Post it on your Snapchat If you're still using Facebook Post it on Facebook I appreciate you in advance It's the King Melly Podcast You know the vibe Enjoy the episode But nah, you're saying You go to bed at 7 every It's not, not 7 every night 8, 8 o'clock is your bedtime Yeah, sometimes 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 So the majority of the time What is it? 10 o'clock 10 o'clock The latest That's still crazy, man <laughs> Cause I really be Nah, nah, not real talk Cause I really be trying to get to bed By like You know, 10, 30, 11 But yeah. it just never happens like that And especially cause I'm a big NBA fan Yeah A lot of the games on the West Coast They gonna start till 10, 30 Oh no So it's like There's times where I, I wake up At 1 o'clock on the couch Trying mm. to watch the 10, 30 game <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, real talk And you over here talking about Like yo, my bedtime 8 And I get up at what Would you say 5, 4? Yes That's crazy 4, 30, 5 o'clock 5, 30 the latest So what do What's, what's, your, what's your daily routine like when you get up in the morning? What do you do? So usually I wake up mm-hmm. first and foremost, and then I try to do this like 30 push-up a day thing. 30 push-up a day? First in the morning. That's doable. Um, so I wake up, do 30 push-ups, and then sometimes I actually lay down mm-hmm. and just think first because I feel like when we jump up in the morning, a lot of times we grab our phones, go through our emails, go right. to Instagram. Right. So I try to do this thing where I at least lay in bed for additional 10 and 15 minutes, just like allow my mind to ease into the day mm-hmm. and just think. And just and process just, things calmly. Yeah, the process. And then I'll handle my push-ups. And then um, I'll start the day. Honestly, I just jump straight into work. So it's, it's funny you say that, though, because... <laughs> I've been working on the morning routine. Now, uh-huh. it's, it's, I've been struggling, don't get me wrong, but, but, but I've been working on the morning routine because, you know, I hear that successful people, quote-unquote successful people, always have a routine. Mm-hmm. Now, you kind of you, you, you kind of make me feel a little secure now because when I wake up in the morning, I stay in the bed for like another 30 minutes. <laughs> 10, but I be in the bed for like another 30. And now I'm kind of starting to see like, yo, there, there might be like 
a method to that madness. Like mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's my time to really. I never thought about it like that. Like mm-hmm. maybe there is my time to just like kind of collect my thoughts yeah. before I fully just jump out the bed and run into everything. Right. But I do have a bad habit of checking my phone because mm-hmm. I'll look at the phone like for the time, and then next thing you know, my fingerprint is in it, and next thing you know, I'm scrolling on Instagram. I'm like, yo, right. how am I on Instagram <laughs> 20 minutes after waking up? Literally, literally. So I think giving yourself some time just to allow your thoughts to run because you know mm-hmm. when you're sleeping, you're connecting more with your subconscious mind. That's how dreams are created. Right. So if you just like allow your mind to just like continue processing and mm-hmm. just get accustomed to being up um a lot of times i do thinking so i plan on my day in my head before i start getting up and doing my other morning routine activities right. um it just makes me feel a lot better like i'm not rushing myself to like hurry up and do something mm-hmm. i feel a lot more poised and content and just ready to to get to work you know you know what i realize is, is a good uh, um a good practice as well too waking up in the morning and as soon as you wake up in the morning like writing down the thoughts in your mm-hmm. mind because i realize a lot of times when you wake up like, I feel like your brain never really stops. Mm-mm. Like, so you wake up, and it's like, whatever you was thinking about right before you went to bed, it's, it's on your mind already, yep. full in, like, in full thought. Like, mm-hmm. your, your body might be tired, but your, your brain's already running. Right. And I realized that when you wake up and you write those thoughts down, like, it, it allows for the day to run a little bit smoother, a little bit more cleaner, because you're not played with all of the other thoughts from right. last night or yesterday, things that you didn't get really get to work through yet. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so t- talk a little bit about more about your routine. You say you wake up in the morning. You do your thirty push-ups. Mm-hmm. 30, thirty is calm. I try to do hundred a day. I'm not. I'm not consistent. That's a lot. I'm trying. I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> this is. This been going on for like two months now. I'm not a professional push-upper, but uh, patience. I got a little, little bit of guns down. <laughs> <laughs> After the push-ups, what's next? Like, how do you? Is are you mm-hmm. are you? You're, you're full-time entrepreneur, right? You do. Yes, you do. I'm in school full-time as well, though. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's your school schedule like? So I'm in school Wednesdays through Fridays. Mm-hmm. So Monday and Tuesdays are my day of full entrepreneurship, and I also work just full days Saturdays and Sundays as well. So back to the morning the morning routine. I'll get up, do my push-ups. Um, sometimes lay in bed for a little bit more, or mm-hmm. I'll lay in bed first, then do the push-ups. And then I'm the kind of person I need to immediately jump into the bathroom so like get my shower going get my teeth brushed because if i feel like when you take a shower to me it wakes me up all Mm -hmm. the way so instead of me spending time trying to do work and like half half doing my work i'd rather just hop in the shower have my body just revitalize be up all the way up and then just start working straight for the rest of the day honestly so do do you feel like creating this morning routine allows you to be more productive throughout the day i definitely do so i've gotten to the point where when i write down my to-do list i literally get half of my to-do items done before noon Mm. so i think that's why i've been so conditioned for the morning wake up because it really feels good think about having it be 12 o'clock and literally majority of your Your things are done done for the day you have a whole another 12 hours from your day still open so i got addicted to that (laughs) so because of that i'll just keep my morning routine up and it makes me feel good especially with the push-ups um i did feel like i wasn't incorporating enough physical activity into my day because i work so much and if i'm not working i'm in school right so like having the push-ups being there i do want to eventually go to the gym but baby steps baby steps calm me calm me because we can't we can't go to the gym and do school all and be it not right baby steps, calm baby steps. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because i feel like i struggle with to-do lists mm-hmm. like i really struggle with like i'll have mad ideas running around in my head and it's like yo don't know if you just write these down you'll be able to knock them out one by one but when mm-hmm. i write them down i'll find that when i'm doing the first one my attention span is so short that while I'm doing the first one, my mind's gonna wander <laughs> elsewhere and just do a whole bunch of other things. <laughs> and I feel like, 
it is, I feel like a lot of that, like I feel like a lot of these things like transfer in the finance, in the finance world. And the reason why I say that is because when you're not really aware of how you're behaving, like, mm-hmm. it trickles down into your spending. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you're feeling sad today and you're not fully aware that you're feeling sad. I know mm-hmm. that sounds weird, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you find yourself swiping your car like it's like it's nothing, mm-hmm. trying to spend to make up for the fact that you, right, it's making you feel <laughs> a little better. So I feel like the the key, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you, mm-hmm. you, you're more more of an expert on this topic than me. I feel like the key to really mastering it and maintaining and and, and, and like controlling your finances mm-hmm. is awareness. I feel mm-hmm. like as long as you're aware of yourself, then you'll be able to be aware of your spending and then be able to create valid spending habits around mm-hmm. that. What do you think about that? Definitely, definitely, definitely agree. I tell people all the time. Mm-hmm. To put your money in your face, like literally. Because when it's in your face, it's going to bother you when you look and you see how much you spent on certain items. Like right. for me, I started putting my money in my face. Just I wanted to be a, a finance person who lives up to actually what they're preaching about. Right, all, of them, all so, the things that you're teaching people, I want, you want I, I to practice those same right, things. Right, because I have to make sure it works, but I'm going to recommend right. you to do it. So, um in terms of putting money in your face, like ter- I'm talking about, like looking at your bank statements each month, making an Excel sheet or using an app so that you can see how much you're spending on certain expenses. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was an eye opener when I looked at my bank statement one month and I looked and saw that I spent $500 on Uber. <laughs> Uber. But I mean, you a businesswoman though, like you but got she, right, you have a right to spend $500 on Uber. But you're the not same just time, Ubering the parties and, and the brunches. same time, I'm an accountant, so I'm cheap. So mm. like that hurt my soul. I'm just like, all right, Shania. <laughs> In order to avoid this Uber cost, because that's five $500 a month, mm-hmm. that's around, what, 6000 6, a year in Uber, Call to Uber. Uber. They're already Uber. A, a, almost a billion-dollar company, and I'm giving them my little six. <laughs> no, I need my money back in my pocket, so I have to, like, take a deep dive. Like, right. Right, what's the issue? What's causing this? Why am I spending this much? Mm-hmm. And it was because I wasn't leaving my house enough in time to make the train. Yo, that's a great <laughs> point. I never thought about it like that. Like really, really looking at the co- the course. Like I bet I spent five hundred this month. Mm-hmm. Why did I spend five hundred this right. month? Right. Because it's easy to just be like, yo, I spent five hundred this month because I got to get to where I'm going. Right. But it's it, it it's taking it a step further and saying, mm-hmm. all right, maybe I'm doing something wrong mm-hmm. where I always have to rely on Uber as a right. Because the way I use Uber, it's like, yo, listen, if I'm running late, mm-hmm. I I'm gonna take Uber. I this one morning, like a couple weeks ago, had a meeting at eight a.m. in the city, and the night before that, my sister, and my cousins, and I, like, I think we went to the movies or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I told my sister, I'm like, yo, you know, I got to wake up. Because we got back home like 2 a.m. I'm like, I got to wake up by 7 and get to the city by, no, not even 7. I had to get, I had to wake up by like 6 to get to the city by 7 because mm. I was in Queens. Mm-hmm. And I woke up. All I heard, first of all, I wake up to a knock on the door. Anytime I wake up to a knock on the door, I know I'm wrong. Because <laughs> nobody should be waking me up. Like, I should be waking myself up. Check the time, it's 7.30. I got to meet in at 8. I'm like, damn, son. So I ended up dropping like 75 on Uber, Uber. that day. But I'm just like, oh. This can't be an everyday regular thing. You know right. what I'm saying? So like being able to st- take a step back and say, mm-hmm. all right, why do I even use Uber in the first place? Right. I, I, I commend you. For Put that. your money in your face. And again, the same thing with meals. Like it shocked me. I'm like, I spent almost $600 a month on food. I mean, granted, some of my meals are client meals, mm-hmm. but at the same time, do we have to eat at like four star restaurants all the time? <laughs> Do I have to like buy a, a coffee mean, with every single like things like that? It's like, do I, I really got to do it? But you're not about to take a, 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 a client to Five Guys. I mean, not to Five Guys. We can like do something a little bit better, like Savannah's or like a some Cuban <laughs> restaurant where I can get a nice like fifteen twenty dollar meal. But you, you know. know what the key is too. I hope I hope no clients <laughs> listening. But you know what the key is too though. Nah, you can find the same restaurant and build up like a reward system with that restaurant. Right, and then use those points. <laughs> and then use those points on the on points. the client meals. <laughs> 
that's a good idea. But it's, yeah, it's funny. I feel like when you, I feel like when you, when you recommend stuff like that, people automatically call you cheap. But it's like, yo, listen, if you really want to be able to like to, to manage your money properly, mm-hmm. then sometimes you got to be frugal. Right, and cheap. literally. But people don't understand. The thing with saving is that it's not about the rate in which you get on a return from your savings. Mm-hmm. So like people are like, oh, that? I get 5% if I leave my money in this account or I get 2% if I leave my money in this online savings account. Right. You are Your wealth is not going to be determined by your rate uh, that you're getting from a third party to save. It's your rate of saving, period. Mm. So there's a book, um, The Richest Man in Babylon. I love that book. And he focuses on this 10% rule. So for each dollar you get, you should save 10%. So when you look at the money that you earn from investing. So, like, yes, you get a 5% return on investing if you put your money somewhere. Right. But what if I save 10% of every single dollar that I get? So, 10% of what I get from my income, 10% of what I get from invest investing, that rate is way more important than what you would get from investing in a third party. So, like, I like to focus on saving. So, the more I can save, that's why I love to cut back so much. So, looking at my money and looking at where it's going, I can figure out how I can save more. The more you can save, the more you could invest. So right. it's like, save, obviously, saving is the most important thing to start with, mm-hmm. which is why I kind of focus on, all right, look at this budget. Where can I cut back? Because Uber and Ruth Chris sound all nice, but listen. It sound cute. <laughs> it look nice on the Instagram story, too. But, nah, we're going to have to cut back on that. Right, well, so, right. So let me ask you a question about, mm-hmm. we, let's talk about online savings account for a little bit, because it's something I've been, I've, I've been having this conversation a lot with some of my friends. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong. Mind you, I'm, I'm ignorant to this. You know a little bit more <laughs> Okay. In my opinion, I feel like they're not effective. The mm-hmm. reason why I say they're not effective is because it's like, if you're telling me I'm only gonna get two point five percent on it for the year mm-hmm. for my money, do I really? Does it really? Does it even make sense to me even put my money in that savings account? Mm-hmm. Talk me out of that. All right, so. The talk out is going to be the fact that I do like online savings accounts is that most of them, you don't get a debit card. You don't get a debit card. So, a.k.a. you won't be tempted to even swipe. Mm. A lot of us use our debit cards and then there's like, all right, I'm going to transfer money from my savings to my check To my check All right. We, we heard Kevin Hart, right? <laughs> right. My money, I got to transfer from my savings to my check-ins. Oh. And we just do that so frequently so you're not effectively saving at all. Right. So, I do love online savings accounts because you don't have a debit card. And for you to transfer money from your online savings back to your debit card, it's a process. So, mm. so it'll just deter you away from doing it as opposed to having it at the tip of your fingertips, which we do when you have a banking app. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't no, I didn't even consider because when I when I think online savings, I'm like, what's the difference between an online savings account and a savings account? They both mm-hmm. online. You feel me? Yeah. I didn't think that I didn't realize that they're two separate, like two separate entities. Like this right. is your banking account, your checking account over here, mm-hmm. and then your online savings is with like a Barclays or something. Right, like that. exactly. Completely all shoot. Mm-hmm. And it so, makes it harder because now you have to log in, you mm. have to apply to even transfer it, then it may take one to three days for you to transfer it. So I'm like, all right, to let me just leave like, it yo, there. To the point where it's like, you know what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yo, I might even I don't even feel like transferring, like exactly. it's a hassle to transfer. Exactly. So it's like Matter of fact, let me just keep saving. If I save more effectively, then I won't have to transfer. Right, exactly. And that's the goal. It's not a bad mindset to have. Yep. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you get you get you get um convinced otherwise. Because this whole time I'm like, yo, that's not stupid. I'm like, I don't agree with that. Like, why would I want to do that to myself? What one thing I like the most though, I feel like the most effective way to really build wealth Mm -hmm. is to invest. Yeah. Right. But but what do you think is the most like? Not the most common ways. But what do you think the most effective ways for like the everyday person? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a regular college student, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the MBA program, and 
I'm not really working as much because I'm most of my time is spent in school. Right. But I want to invest my money. Like, where am I putting that money? Where was like, what am I gonna do with that? Right. I don't mm-hmm. really know much about stocks. Yeah. I don't know nobody in real estate. What am I gonna do with that money? Mm-hmm. So I mean, honestly, everything depends on the person's risk tolerance. And before we even get into risk tolerance mm-hmm. again, you have to have money to make money. <laughs> so saving true, true, is true. your number one priority. Yo, don't listen, try to guys. Get into everything <laughs> goes back to saving. If you're not Literally. saving, just turn this podcast off. Literally, <laughs> you have to save. But when you do have money to sa- to save. If you want to get into real estate, mm-hmm. you don't have to go ahead and first purchase a whole home. Like right. That's a big investment, number one. It's a big liability because now you have a mortgage under your name. So instead, you can invest into real estate investment um, funds. So they're REIFs. They're called REIFs. Mm-hmm. And with these funds, they're a collection of real estate. So you may have some commercial property in one fund, a personal property in a fund, and you invest in the fund itself. So the property, the, the fund manager is is has the responsibility to like gain the properties and make the income and you just get a return on your investment so it's like investing in stocks or bonds but it's just real estate, the real estate so that's a good that. way to do it and in terms of stocks and bonds i always tell people in order to start investing to first take a look at what are you what are you wearing you know so for example my watch is michael kors mm-hmm. michael kors is listed on the stock exchange right um my boots i probably got them from h&m or my my jeans i probably got them from macy's etc most of these stores that you 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 go in to purchase stuff they have they're listed on the stock exchange right especially down to sneakers many people like invest in nikes and jordans but then you ask them if they have nike or jordan stock and it's no but those are the same people who run and like stay online to buy these these sneakers but do you know what happens when these sneakers release the stock price goes up goes so up how right. about you do invest both. literally do both literally because like not only are you purchasing the sneaker to hold or collect yourself as a consumer mm-hmm. but you're also profiting on the back end as being an investor because now you own mm. a piece of nike so you're literally putting money into your own pockets by buying that sneaker so At it's about time. changing the way you think it's about approaching the equation differently. Yeah. But what about the argument that, listen, if I invest in a big company, I'm barely even getting a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get something. Obviously, you don't get a lot. You're not you what you you're not a founder. You're not like a majority stakeholder. So like your returns won't be that much. Um, but that's still a good way to save your money and get a higher rate of return for what you're saving. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're the most important thing is ownership so like the more ownership you have in an entity so you can have a majority shares of a specific stock like amazon i'm pretty sure jeff bezos has a lot of the amazon stock right um so you can have that you can literally invest and be a majority shareholder and now you'll be like invited to meetings etc and things like that but again the key is always ownership so you don't get that high return investing into businesses you do get a higher return if you start a business because now you're 100 percent owner right, so that equity. profit is you 100% exactly right, right. so just looking at it from that way like you get the most rewards when you have the most ownership in anything in life mm-hmm. so and, and, and going back to the um to the reap to the reap comment you made mm-hmm. let's say from the same ownership perspective right mm-hmm. instead of you investing your money into the reef what you could do is pull up a group of like five friends and say listen yeah if each of us put $15,000 together mm-hmm. we'll be able to take this purchase a house and flip that house together take this purchase another house, flip the house together, and keep doubling our money that way. Right. That's an option. But I feel like oftentimes with people like with black and brown people, we don't really trust each other enough to do stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, like, how, how do we even, I feel like 
prior to us even before we even get to the financial conversation, it's more mm-hmm. of a conversation of trust. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like so. It's like how do we even tackle that 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 mistrust between us before we can even say, "I right, let's put our money together." Like how do how do you recommend us even doing that? I know it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a financial question, but yeah. I still think that that's a barrier that we face because a lot of us mm-hmm. just don't trust each other. I'm like, def- I definitely agree with you. Um, and honestly. As much due diligence that you do, you'll never ever fully understand who you're working with. Like True. you can you have never a understand person, people though, right? You right. can't. You will never understand that person. Right, so right. it's like you just have to. It's about risk tolerance. So even going back to the investment thing, mm-hmm. you're making an investment in a person and a group of people. So you have to have certain risk tolerance. So you know, like, all right, this person may not be a hundred percent, but at least they're at eighty-five. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally, they're at eighty-five. That's would've... good enough. I can work for eighty-five percent. You know, right, right. they might be a little, uh, uh, but they get the job done. As long as they don't ever right touch now. that 15%, we good. Right, exactly. But um, then also, that's why you want to have good lawyers, because you want to make it contractual. Mm-hmm. And honestly, contracts scare people sometimes. Like, people don't like to admit it, but, like, once you put your name on the line and it's, like, verified by a lawyer that you signed this contract, stating these stipulations, this agreement, and that you're going to put in this amount to get this return back, people are more likely to kind of keep their word up to it because nobody wants to go to court. Nobody going to court. Because you got to pay for court. <laughs> exactly. All and the money that you made <laughs> off it is going right back to the court. Right. For you. So like you said, yeah, people are more, more likely to uphold. Exactly. And in most contracts, the you can add clauses to where if we take you to court and you lose, now mm-hmm. you have to pay your legal fee and mine's. Ooh. And lawyers are expensive. So again, that's why contracts scare people. That's nasty. So definitely put contracts in place so that when you guys start it's like all right i know he's not going to default again it's going to lower my risk tolerance because now i know that we have this contract in place so it'll lessen the probability that this person may default on our agreement as far as risk tolerance go right and mm-hmm. it's something that just came to mind right for the people who don't have much of a risk tolerance right like specifically when it comes to money mm-hmm. do you think it's more of a f- a fear thing like uh, on, a, on a general scale like they're, they're just very timid and afraid people mm-hmm. or do you think it's it's more concentrated in the sense that they have like an emotional attachment to their money so they don't even want to give it up in the first place and that's mm-hmm. what's preventing or that's what's like lowering their risk tolerance right what do you think and like it often like a lot of clients that you get a lot of people that you speak to about finance mm-hmm. what do you think is the more common issue that you run into when it comes to like risk tolerance and why they don't have a higher risk tolerance mm-hmm. i honestly think it's ignorance and it's like ignorance it's okay you don't know. The fact that people don't know makes them scared to invest their money and stuff. And that's okay. It should be that way. Like, right. I should not. You should be, be skeptical. I should be skeptical. I should not want to put my money in something that I am unsure, number one, about how it works, two, how I'm going to make my money back, mm. and three, when I'm going to get my money back. So that's okay. But that ignorance is that same thing that you need to overcome. So you can overcome that ignorance by educating yourself on what it is. So if you are looking to invest in the stocks, Literally learn how to evaluate a company's financial statements because that's what stock investors do. Right. They get paid six figures to do that for you. So you can take time and do it's that. They literally, do. they get paid just to read. Do it for yourself. Right. Literally, do it for yourself. Educate yourself. Right. Same thing with real estate. Um, You want to see what real estate that fund holds and look at that. All right, this building, um, the value appreciated over the last five years to this amount. So I know if I invest my money into this account, I'm at least going to face the return of that. So again, ignorance is definitely what holds people back from investing and that's okay because from ignorance that stems fear that stems uncertainty but once you knock out that whole ignorance and you educate yourself you'll feel a lot more comfortable with making financial decisions I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even look at it from an ignorance perspective. I automatically assume that, you know, I just, in my mind, I'm like, oh, people are just afraid. They just don't want to do yeah. it. Yeah, they just don't, they just don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really more so that they just don't know. Literally. And, and it's funny because it's like, 
you'll pay people to go do all like they'll you'll pay somebody to do all the research for you when you can just do it yourself yep mm-hmm. but then it's like if 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 like if that world is just not your your strong suit, then mm-hmm. you just may never be able to understand that. I know there's people like you talk to people about finance, and they'll just automatically come to you and just tell you, "Listen, I just I'm never gonna understand that. Like, right. I'll never be able to understand that." Mm-hmm. And like that's a very crippling mindset to have. Yeah, because like, you need to at least know the basics, especially when you're dealing with money. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to ever put your your money in somebody else's hands, and you don't even know how to evaluate what they even done. Because mm-hmm. again, we spoke about this before <laughs> we hopped on this, but there's a lot of celebrities out here. Right. right. Um, once they retire from being in the industry yeah, or being they in got a hundred thousand, like what? What? Right. I millions. What you mean? Right. I don't know. Like R. Kelly, he's like, <laughs> he's nah, like, he I went though. to the bank. He different. He can't he read. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's but not funny, but it's funny. But. You could not read, but still understand. Like right, you know, right, right. like because we can speak, he can understand if we talk to each other. So like, he should have had somebody on his team at least explaining to, say, to exactly. him. Exactly. I about to say, I think people right. on his team ain't even really care right. about they, him. They didn't care, and it's right. like it's very unfortunate that you spent your time making this money, and like now when things hit the fan you don't even know what happened what to happen, it you're right. down to like 10k and like well i was a millionaire three days ago point, right <laughs> do, do you think a lot of, so let me ask you this question think about millionaires right do you think mm-hmm. a lot of the quote-unquote millionaires where you think they really have millions liquid or is it just more so like an asset type of thing definitely assets i feel like, that's, I feel like, that's, I feel like being a millionaire billionaire mm-hmm. is more so subjective definitely assets and i feel like this is a really really good question because a lot of us follow these celebrities on social media and because they are decked out, I drip down as people would say nowadays. <laughs> but Fendi this, Louis that. Right. A lot of them be broke, mm. under undercover. They, really they be broke on they paper. They be broke on That's paper. What they, they, they get? Their looking at the Instagram like, yo, what you doing? Exactly. Boy, you can't afford this. Literally, literally. But a lot of these companies they sponsor, so it's like they're wearing these brands because true, they're getting sponsored. They're not paying for them. So for you to compare yourself and think that you're broke compared to a celebrity, for the most part, like I know a lot of people that I work with who make a lot more money than these celebrities because they actually have liquid cash and like you can do a lot more than liquid cash than you can do the Louis Bell, right? You know what's crazy too though? <laughs> it, 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 right, with the Louis Bell, but the Louis Bell is a, is a liability, definitely not an asset. Mm-hmm. I think it's, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's okay to have more assets than liquid. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because when you die, not going wood. But I mean, everybody's going to die. Fuck it. When you die, <laughs> you'll be able to pass those assets to somebody. Yes. And those assets will be able to constantly pay. Like, for example, let's say you have, um, you own like a multifamily home or something mm-hmm. like that. When you pass away, that multifamily home is guaranteed to still pay your family. Right. That mm-hmm. liquid now, that liquid is, is finite. Like right. It can run out. But if That's you have an asset, true. the asset will always continue, consistently pay you. Right. So the thing about, so now we're getting to balance sheet. And I love the balance sheet because literally your balance sheet determines your net worth. People need to know that. Um, what, is, what is the balance sheet? Your balance sheet. So your balance sheet. Income statement. Okay. <laughs> I, I always get mixed up all of that. So your income statement shows your net income. So that's your, your revenues, minus your expenses. Then you have your your net income so for regular people it's your how much you make from your job or your other sources of income minus your living expenses minus your other miscellaneous expenses so your wardrobe etc whatever you have left over that's your net income right when we get into actual net worth that's balance sheet what are your assets what are your liabilities and how much equity do you own Mm. that's balance sheet items but the thing about it is that cash is an asset it's the asset. It's the right. current asset. Um, but that doesn't dictate the rest of your balance sheet. So your balance sheet is a lot more important. Right? We think about cash. That's 
Though what goes on your balance sheet, that number that you get from the balance sheet comes from the operations behind your income statement, right? Mm -hmm. You have a net income of 10K, that means you have 10K of cash left over for that right. period, right? Um, so what's get more important is like, so on the balance sheet, cash eventually flows, well, net income eventually flows until retained earnings. That's the equity component. That strengthens your balance sheet, the more equity you have in yourself. So um, when we get to assets as well, you want to have homes. You want to have um, dividends, paying assets. You want to have artwork. You want to have sometimes certain vehicles are even assets to you. Plant property and equipment. Um, if you have a business, those are assets as well. And those things, they are more, sometimes they have a lot more value, but mm -hmm. again, they don't have that same liquidity. Right. So we say like, yes, it's good to have a, a house rather than cash, but what if nobody wants to buy that house? And that's and when you said artwork, that's what came to mind. Because I'm mm -hmm. like, I feel like what people, if nobody wants to buy that exactly. artwork? Exactly. I feel like people are don't really do the art anymore. Mm -hmm. And I could be, I could be ignorant to that. I, that could be a whole other <laughs> world to me. But I feel like I don't really see many people our age in like dipping and dabbing, dipping and dabbing in mm -hmm. that little in that art world. Mm -hmm. I mean, so more wealthy people they trade artwork all the time, especially when you get to like the Van Goghs and the right. So I saw my pay bracket for now. Right. I catch out like 10, 10, 10 20 years. <laughs> right. You know, because Jay Z, he he on the artwork. He on the artwork. Yeah, he, he is on. He been on the artwork. Right. He's, he's on the artwork, artwork, but he got money, money. He a billionaire, <laughs> so he he's on that wave. But for us, again, it's about how easily you can convert your assets into cash. So liquidity is very, very important. Very so important. cash, obviously, the most liquid. Real estate is it can be sometimes liquid depending on what market that you're in. But if you're right. in a bad market, it's very illiquid. Mm. Um, things like plant property and equipment that could be very illiquid. It may be take long for you to sell that or that specific property or equipment or that machine may not be worth nothing anymore because something else came out to innovate. So you need to be very, very careful about what type of assets you choose to invest in at the same time because assets are great. Yes, they have value. Yes, but you need to make sure if needed, you can convert those things into liquid cash. I'll push back on this. When it mm -hmm. comes to the plant property and equipment, yes, that that th those are assets that are still going to create money for me. Exactly, because I'm still I'm using these equi this equipment to make whatever goods or services that I'm mm -hmm. providing to my people. Right, and that's very very true. But what if another plant property and equipment comes out? And it's sharper and better. That's sharper, better. It's that's a robot. Right. <laughs> Damn, so, so now yours is literally worth zero, aka on your balance sheet, that item is going to be valued at zero. <laughs> <laughs> that went left back. <laughs> that went left mad quick. I just blew up. <laughs> that went left OT fast. But nah, I, I agree with that. That makes mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense to me. What yeah. about what about this, right? Do you think everybody could be a millionaire? In this I country, do. in this country, you think so? Yes, I do. You think all of us had the opportunity to be a millionaire? Yes, I do. How so though, walk me through that, because like in in like for the for the the average person, let's mm -hmm. say I I was told to go to school, graduate, get a degree, get a job. Mm -hmm. Gradually, I have all this debt. I started in, at an entry level position that's probably paying me like, let's call it fifty thousand a year. Mm -hmm. Create a roadmap for me to become <laughs> a millionaire. So honestly, um, again, so first and foremost, you talking about millionaire on paper or millionaire liquid, or a combination? Maybe five hundred k cash. Five hundred k. So for me, I'm more like I'm more like a two hundred k cash and eight hundred plus in assets. Okay, uh, all I'll, right. I'll be comfortable with that. All right, so like. If you want to talk about paper, I'm a millionaire in paper. I have three properties. My first property is valued at 350k, and I have two other properties, and I have my business that's valued. So it's like, all right, I'm a millionaire in paper. But would I call myself a millionaire? No, because my no, bank account don't look like that. <laughs> I'm about to say we got a millionaire in the house, people. 
We got to be. My bank account don't look like that. Um, but the thing about it is that once you kind of have it on paper, again, now you can start converting because with houses, mm-hmm. when because I have assets that have equity now, I can pull out, boom, purchase more assets, and then rent those Word. properties the out. That, take that refinance exactly. Buy another back. home, right, right. And put some tenants in there, and then generate maybe 30K a year from each property, and then to the point where I got a million. Right. So it starts off with, um, I think, focus on like, being a paper person is very important first but again the ultimate goal is cash flow mm. so you can you that. can generate you cash, flow, cash flow literally you can start off with a 50k salary for a year figure out a product or service that you can offer that you're good at so whether it's selling shirts whether it's um selling reselling sneakers whether it's um providing accounting services or digital marketing services whatever you're good at if you sell something that's worth a thousand dollars a thousand times do the math Ten thousand. Here's the thing, though. A lot of people. I'm not gonna say a lot of people don't. No, nah, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that like they like their talents or their creative abilities. Though. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the average person, everybody, you know, we're in the era where everybody wants to be or everybody's telling you to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But you'll talk to some people and they'd be like, Yo, listen, I'm much more comfortable being an entrepreneur. I'm much more comfortable working for a company and just mm-hmm. working my way up that corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're somebody who's more comfortable doing that, and you don't also don't really recognize like your God-given talents or abilities, mm-hmm. it's like. How do I even generate a second ink stream of income? Listen, if you don't invest, you can be an entrepreneur. Like, I'm not against working for a company at all because mm-hmm. um, that's where I got a lot of my skills and organization from is working same. for likewise, organization. Likewise. Um, but at the same time, you will never. it will take you forever to, or maybe you never in a lifetime will you ever be a millionaire, depending on just that. The average millionaire has seven sources of income. Seven. Yo, yo I'm glad you said that because I, w- I was going to touch on that next. Right? <laughs> it's a common misconception, right? I feel like a lot of people, when they hear that, they mm-hmm. automatically think, all right, I got to have a job, I got to have a business, I got to have that, I got to have that, I got to have mm-hmm. that. When I feel like you should grow your, you should you should create that seven streams of in- income, you should think about it like a tree. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is this. You focus on one thing first. Mm-hmm. You master that one thing first, mm-hmm. and then once you master that one thing, it grows up, and then you could just branch out and do a whole bunch of other things because right. of that one thing. Kind of right. like what Jay-Z did. He yep. focused on music first. Yep. Made sure he bodied and mastered music. Right. Then he created a record label. Right. Then after he created a record label, which is still in the same realm of music, he created mm-hmm. merch for his music. Right. Then he started signing other artists. So it's right. like, once you do and master that one thing first, mm-hmm. then you can branch off of that, and you'll be able to really, like, because I feel like a lot of people right now, especially in the era where everybody's doing, like, the Forex trading or some people are doing other crazy sources. Mm-hmm finding other ways to get streams of income. It's like, it's very easy for you to try to get a job and go say you want to go trade Forex and then somebody over here flip a house, I want to go flip houses too. Mm-hmm. And somebody say, y'all can give you 500, 500% on your return. I'll do that. But it's like, nah, <laughs> instead of you trying to like over leverage all your money to all these different people, yeah. focus on one thing first, mm-hmm. master that one thing. Mm-hmm. And once you master that one thing, you'll realize like, yo, I'll be able to take this one thing and do anything with it. Even like yeah. digital marketing, like you said. Mm-hmm. Let's say you master that digital marketing skill first. Mm-hmm. Once you master that digital marketing skill, you'll realize that all of the, the fashion people, all of the sports people that you ever want to get in contact with, they're now your clients because right. you've mastered that one skill of digital exactly. marketing. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I think even with me, like I, I love the fact that you brought that up because I think that is the most important thing. It's cool to be a jack of all trades, but you have to be... Master of none. A, jack of all trades, master exactly. of none. Exactly. So you you have to yourself. be a master of at least one right. thing. Like You don't ever want to be a jack of all trades, ma- master of zero because like when things 
when things hit the fan, like, all right, what can somebody know? Like, all right, this one thing I know I can come to this person for. Right. For me, it's accounting. They mm-hmm. know, like, all right. For a fact, yeah, I could. Uh, yeah. If anything else spells, I know Shania, she may be talented in this and mm-hmm. this and that, but for accounting. She'll keep my books right. She's though. gonna get my books right. <laughs> she's gonna fact. save me the most on taxes, so that's what I'm gonna go for her for. So I do think you should definitely focus on mastering one skill. Mm-hmm. Then obviously you'll make a lot more if that one skill is something that you actually enjoy doing. That's the key. You'll you gotta enjoy it. Literally you enjoy it. passion, pouring passion into your 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 potion, it generates a lot more stimulation and it's just gonna take you like a lot further than you would had you not put that passion in there. So that's definitely number one. So with me, my passion I love numbers. Like I've been a, a math geek since I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. I skipped the grade um, when I was in first grade, went from first to third because I was good at math. Just forget the second Literally grade, didn't need that. got to, <laughs> didn't need that. Um, got to fourth and fifth grade, I started tutoring math mm. as, as a young girl. And I tutored math through um, junior high school, through high school, college I tutored math. Grad school I was a math tutor, um, accounting tutor. So it kind of transitioned easily for me, mm-hmm. my love for math and accounting. And because I've mastered my skills so much, I was able to monetize accounting in several different ways because from my one skill of doing accounting, I now offer tax to my clients, bookkeeping, financial consulting. I wrote, I oh, write look, books. So that's skill. four. That's four Street revenue streams right. from one skill. I hope y'all listening. And the reason <laughs> I hope y'all listening clearly is because last week on the pod we spoke about this as well too. Mm-hmm. The 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 idea of figuring out that one thing that you were good at from the time you were young, mm. like being able to just sit down and really just do a self assessment. Mm-hmm. Like, like what was it? What was that one <laughs> thing that I was always good at, or mm-hmm. what was that one thing that always drew my attention? I feel mm-hmm. like if you focus on that one thing, you'll be able to find something right now. Like I, that, I feel like agree. that never leaves you. If yep. me, it's always been talking. Mm-hmm. The people forget about it. I do think it has a lot to do with being institutionalized mm. um, through school and through work. You you are so used to doing what's required that you forget what you were naturally born with. Speak on it. Literally. So. <laughs> Get a little snatch from Mike. Speak on that. Son. But once you fact. figure that out and like play with that, it's gonna take you very, very, very far. Like people, like I, I don't know how you could like accounting. Like it's boring. Blah blah. Great for you. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with this that. This is my thing. And, and that's what people realize. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like oftentimes, like if you're unmotivated to do something, that's probably because you don't want to do it. Right. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with not wanting to do something. All that means is that you should just find something you. that you want to do. Right. right. It's not for you. Literally. It's that simple. Also, want to touch on this too because you think everybody could be a millionaire, and mm-hmm. everybody, like you said, technically could be a millionaire. There mm-hmm. is enough money in circulation oh, for everybody yeah. to be a millionaire. Right. However, everybody doesn't need to be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is this, right? I feel like. A lot of people, they follow some of these celebrities or follow these Instagram influencers and they see them living this great, this big lifestyle on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What people don't realize, in my opinion, especially living in New York City, what people don't realize is that if you scale back, you can still live the same type of lifestyle as a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So you may not pay $10,000 a month for your apartment. You may Mm -hmm. only pay $5,000 a month for your apartment. But that $5,000 a month for your apartment is damn near just as good as that $10,000. Right. It's on a lower scale. Right. You feel me? You may not be pushing the S class, but mm-hmm. that E class is still valid. <laughs> you feel me? And I feel, like, I feel like if people like having, like if people, I don't, I don't want to say people understand money better, but like mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that, yo, you don't really have to be a millionaire to live to a, live to a live good a life, good life. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i agree because i think at this point in my life i think i've been living a pretty good life like i travel probably 12 times 13 times throughout the year mm-hmm. this year right and we still have two months left and um again i'm not the richest person in the world yet but 
again, I do think it's because I save a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to get back frugal. to saving again. Frugal. I'm extremely frugal. And the fact that I am I am frugal, like, I don't pay a lot of money to, for my clothes or for my hair. Yo, it's funny you say that because while you were while you were naming the publicly traded um, things, I forgot yeah. to mention, I'm like, yo, notice how she said, I think I got my jeans from there. I think I got my boots from there. Because she's not even, because why does clothes really matter at that point? It don't you really mean? matter. It what really matters matter. to me is the money because and, and that could afford me right. <laughs> experiences. <laughs> and that's, that's the one thing in life that you cannot get back is that's your experiences. And I'm not telling people to not care about how they dress but yeah. it's like you can you can i think i think a lot one of the biggest issues with our generation is that people aren't willing to like make the sacrifices early on mm-hmm. so that later on they could do whatever they want right mm-hmm. so it's like even if that means skipping out on a couple of clothes that you want to buy now mm-hmm. so that five years from now ten years from now you could buy all the clothes you want right because it's like if you think about it like in the right now i'm not gonna look like that girl. right I'm not gonna look like that girl mm-hmm. people aren't really people aren't willing to take that little that l on their ego right. mm-hmm. so that and what happens is that in the long run, that it bites them in the ass in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind as well too when you're when you're planning for your future, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to money and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, you should. Everything that we're doing now is our sacrifice for what we're going to experience 15 years from now. Mm. So whether or not you decide to cut back or not, this that. is still the sacrifice. <laughs> yo, that's so, so literally. Yo. <laughs> this is nah, you know what we. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what we because you right. It's this like yo, whether that you want to do it, either way, you're still making a decision for five, like exactly. for, for, for something long term. Yeah, exactly. Right. So what decision right. you're gonna make? I want to be to the age where I'm 35 years old and not have to worry about looking at my bank account anymore. I don't want to worry about paying bills anymore. I want my bills to be on autopilot, autopilot that's just coming out of my bank right account. Right now, I'm still like, uh, me at all. right now, I still kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm itching to get to the point where it's like, what bills? That's right, paid. what bills? What you talking about? Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a fact. I, I agree. With you. But what do you think from a let's, let's talk about entrepreneurs for a little because I, I know you, I know you have something to do coming up real soon. Mm-hmm. From an entrepreneur's perspective, right? How how should we like structure our businesses on paper? Mm-hmm. One so that we don't get in trouble from Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. and two so that we keep our business and our personal finances completely separate from mm-hmm. each other. So first and foremost, you want to make sure that you speak with a professional. A lot of entrepreneurs want to wait until they're like two, three, four, five years in business to seek professional help. Mm. Um, so you need to speak with a professional so you can figure out which entity structure is better for you. A lot of people automatically default and think, oh, I need to start an LLC. I need to start an LLC because that's what we hear. Right. But that may not be the best tax-wise or operational-wise for your specific type of business. Mm. Um, so you want to make sure you speak to somebody about that. So a lot of my clients who are in like digital marketing or YouTube influencers, we end up structuring them as an S-Corp. Because they save a lot more in taxes that? that way. No, I'm just, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, we're here now because, you know, my, so my, my, my <laughs> thing is kind of a little bit, you know. So, so why, why would that be more effective for somebody that's in, like, the content marketing or content mm-hmm. production world? So in that type of field, especially when it's just, like, you, you're doing all the work, you're your own team. Right. You want to structure your business as to where your your company as a whole is the agency, right? And then you're mm-hmm. paying yourself as an employee, right? So you can still give yourself a W-2 at the end of the year. The good thing about paying yourself as an employee is that that's an expense on your business end. And the remainder of that net income that you did not pay yourself out through your W-2 is tax-free in terms of self-employment tax. So you ended up saving about half taxes that you would have paid if you would have just kept LOC. So when you do LOCs, 
all your net income is taxed at the self-employment tax rate, which is 15.3%. When you do a, a S-Corp tax election, mm -hmm. you can pay yourself a salary and then take the remainder out as a tax-free distribution and avoid that 15.3%. So mm. that's the biggest difference. So example, if a client came to me the indebted 100k off the back that 15.3 percent is going to kick in 85. kick in for the the llc right. right but had they paid themselves a 50k salary number one and then took the rest out tax-free distribution that that 15k is definitely split in half right off the back so so once you let me ask you a question once i pay myself that 50k salary mm -hmm. don't i get taxed on that salary as an employee you do but guess what that tax is how much and the business it's a business expense period Oh, and it's way so lower it's than 53 percent exactly it's a write-off mm. exactly mm. so it's like you're benefiting both from both ends i'm glad you said that because i feel like a lot of us creatives like we automatically just be like, right, loc loc runs mm -hmm. loc that's all we hit loc, yep. just LLC mm -hmm. it up but it's like now that i'm hearing this i'm thinking twice <laughs> now i'm reconsidering now it I'm depends because even if you get into partnerships a lot of my clients um who invest in real estate i sometimes advise them to go into a partnership a mm. limited partnership at that when you do a limited partnership you are only taxed on the guaranteed payments made to your partners. And if you're in a business to where whatever net income you're making is being reinvested back into the business right. at totality, mm -hmm. then doing a, a limited partnership may save you a lot of taxes because you can be like, all right, this year I didn't guarantee no partnership payments, a.k.a. I don't have to report nothing on my tax <laughs> return because I invested all the money back into my business. Yo, it's so this, funny. It's, everything's so different. I don't understand. People always LLC, LLC, but it's like, all right, you could literally be paying 20K extra in taxes that you could have avoided had you just Consultant with the professional. With the professional, right? Well, had you invested in a professional consultant, right, to save that money? Exactly. It's funny. It's funny you say that because it's like, and the reason why I'm laughing is because I feel like the wealthy people in this country are in on a joke that nobody else yep, is in on. That's exactly <laughs> what's going on. And and I feel like this is a little unrealistic. Uh -huh. However, if everybody were playing, if everybody were playing by these rules, then it wouldn't be like we wouldn't be harassing them as much, mm -hmm. and we too would also be yep. getting away with the same things that they yep. get away with. Mm -hmm. But I think that people don't realize that they too can play by these rules. Yep, it's literally there. It goes the back to like you said, goes back to ignorance. Yep, goes go back, back to, to ignorance. ignorance. You can't get upset about because everybody was upset. Like, oh, the wealthy they pay. I think the average, um, the average effective tax rate that wealthy people pay is like 13 percent and the average one that the rest of 99 percent of americans pay was 17 percent and i think that stat came out this year and that, that little four so percent matters that's a lot because yeah. think about it though they're that that four percent is on a, a billionaire level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. compared to that four percent on a, a a smaller level so that's a lot of tax that they're not paying but to, to be upset about it it's like all right you can't be upset because i have the rules for the game and you're just not playing the game the right way we all have the rules available the irs website is public information it's public you can literally <laughs> that's why i understand we all walking around with computers in our pocket but literally. nobody want to use them for the right thing literally literally so it's about educating yourself and once you educate yourself and you understand like all right they're playing the game like this like they're really playing chess out here you know i thought it was too. i'm playing the same game and i try to educate people so that they can play the game too because it's not fun playing a game when all your friends are not on the chessboard with you. That's a fact. So, with that being said, let let the people know what other services you provide, mm -hmm. where they can find you, and how they can keep up with all of your work. 
Okay. So I do provide tax services for individuals and small business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives. I also provide bookkeeping services. If you are looking to learn how to do bookkeeping yourself as a business owner, I am your person. And I also do full service bookkeeping. I do financial consulting on both the business and personal level. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Instagram at the people CPA. That's the people's with a S mm -hmm. CPA on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can also so hit me up on my website. It's www.folafinancial.com. Folas, F-O-L-A, financial.com. That's a fact. I'll be sure to, to tag all these things in the, in the info of this podcast and as well. And if you want to book up for speaking engagements and stuff like that, you said that's more so LinkedIn, right? Yeah, you can hit me on LinkedIn. Shanae Wilson. <laughs> right, you know the vibe. Shanae, I really appreciate you for coming on the show today and sharing us sharing your expertise with us we Thank really you for appreciate having it I, pr me. I really hope as a matter of fact <laughs> save this podcast like don't even delete it from your app like, i feel like we all need this financial information yes. so just refer to us use this as a tool use this as a god Thank you very much for coming on the no show. No problem. Thank you, you for having me. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> You've been listening to the King Belly Podcast. You can follow the King Belly Pod on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to the King Belly Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Your support is greatly appreciated. This beat was produced and engineered by Nigel Pierre Bryant. You can check out more of his records on his production page on Instagram at Produced by Period and.